Walkers. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, Thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded. Well, good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you're here this morning at Victory Christian Fellowship. It is a great joy and an honor to be with you here this morning. If you're watching online, we just want to say welcome to you as well. We serve a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you are good. And we greatly praise you. Lord, we we give you glory and honor and praise in this place today. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us freedom. You've given us joy. And you've given us a peace that passes understanding. And Lord, we love you and bless you. We welcome you here this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's stand together. Come on. It's Christmas time. Are you ready to worship this morning? Born unto us this day, a Savior. 
let's worship for a little bit. Oh, we worship you in this place. You are the King of Kings. You die, you're now glorified, you're king of all kings. Oh, we sing it again, majesty, we worship his
Faith that brings change. Faith that brings life. Faith that heals your body. Faith that changes things. Oh, hear my word. Hear my message. Get it into your heart, for it will give you a new start. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. It's a good day here at VCF. We have uh, Gabriel, Sean, and Kelsey back with us. We lent them to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's lending them back to us. Amen. We're glad that they're here. Glory to God. And we're glad that you're here. Amen. It's a good day. You're in a good place. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to speak the word of God. Amen. Amen. We want to invite you to join us as we make our confession of faith about God's rest. Let's make our confession. Jesus is our Lord and Master, and we are always learning about him, his ways, and his kingdom. We willingly and faithfully come to Jesus to find rest for our souls. The Lord's yoke is easy, and his burden is light. We do his will because it is our delight. His gentleness and humility give us great peace and security. We choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, and we remain secure and at rest in the Almighty's shadow. He alone is our refuge, our fortress, our God in whom we trust. The Lord has rescued our life from death. He bountifully blesses us and is always good to us. Therefore, we rest in him. Because God's peace is with us and in us, we do not worry and we cast all our cares on him. We are confident in Christ and enter into his divine rest by faith. The Lord freely offers his rest to all of us and we receive it because we believe it. God's rest refreshes our souls. We are God's people and there remains a Sabbath rest for us today. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Guess what? <laughs> it's Christmas time! <laughs> okay, so we have a couple of announcements. Today is December 18th. So that means on Tuesday, December 20th, we have our youth group Christmas party, right? <laughs> yeah, the 20th. Um, so come on out, invite people for that. It's for ages 12 and up. I think we're having pizza. We're going to have so much fun, play games, and enjoy spending time with one another. Wednesday, the 21st, is our Christmas candlelight service, and that's at our regular Wednesday night refreshing time at 630 it's going to be awesome. you got to come check it out. 
which means um, since Christmas falls on Sunday this year, there will be no service on December 25th. So you have maximum time to spend with friends, family, and celebrating Jesus' birthday. And, okay, since Christmas is well known for the giving season, although we're givers all year round. Um, We have some opportunities for giving. We have some ongoing projects. We have our VCF kitchen project. And I don't know if you noticed, but we love to eat. So (laughs) I am very thankful for our kitchen and all the upgrades that are coming to it. And we have our VCF stage lights project as well. And if you're a last-minute Christmas shopper, like I am this year. Normally, I order ahead of time. I do not. So we have our bookstore in the VCF, and we also have online Shopify if you do online shopping as well. All right. I am so excited to share with you what I learned. So I was reading the um, Christmas story in the Bible, and you know how it says the wise men brought Jesus gifts, right? The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And I knew that they had significance, but I just didn't know what, so I decided to look it up. Um, So gold was used to decorate the temple and was embroidered on the girdle and the coats of the high priest. It was also used in shields and in tapestries and in um, one of the temples, I think, that King Solomon built. They actually had, like, gold nails that they used, too, that weighed, like, a pound and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't do construction, but I do know that that's a big nail. <laughs> um, so that gold represents, right, how Jesus, one, he is our king. He's our high priest, right? Jesus is our shield, and he inhabits, like, we're the temple, so and he inhabits us. He covers us in, like, all of his beauty and glory and majesty, and he is woven into our very being. So that's just the gold. Then there's the myrrh. Um, which was actually used for healing and embalming at that point and used for um, purification. So, like, they used it for Queen Esther, all of the oils and spices that she was soaking in. One of them was myrrh. And it was consecrated for the priests and also used in anointing the tabernacles and part of the anointing oil that was in there. So Jesus is our healer, and it also prophesied that at some point he was going to be embalmed, that he was basically born to die for our sins. But my favorite one was frankincense. Um, So that was part of holy fire offerings that they did, right? Um, And it was only used as a memorial. So it was grain offerings that you mixed, like, the frankincense with and some other spices. Um, but it was only a specific type of grain offering. It could not be used as a sin offering or a grain offering of jealousy because that had to deal with sin. So frankincense was not used with any of that. It was only um, used with, like I said, grains used as, like, to worship God and as a memorial. So I'm going to read exactly what it says. So the purpose of a grain offering was to worship God and acknowledge his provision. The burnt offering had strict rules and could have nothing added to it, which represents the fact that we take no part in our atonement for sins. It was only Jesus' blood. The grain offering, however, was personalized in its presentation and is whatever a person could give out of their free will, just as we worship Jesus today. It is however much that you are able to give. Isn't that awesome? So that's what I learned about gold, frankincense, and myrrh.
you know, when the wise men brought their gifts, the one, the one brought in the gold and one brought in the frankincense. He said, wait, wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> you know, we're excited because here at VCF, we have things that can help people find their inheritance in God's word and their purpose. And there are a lot of people that we come in contact with every day, could be relatives, could be friends, could be associates, could be co-workers. And you know what? We have an opportunity to share what we have with someone else. Amen? And uh, Dr. Fiona is going to come up, and she's going to show you how easy it is to witness to someone. So uh, we started this last week, and, uh, you know, witnessing is easy. We've been given the power and the equipment to witness. So watch how easy it is as Dr. Fiona shows us. All right. So again, this week I did not ask anyone ahead of time. But it's okay. I'm going to ask Gabe to come up. He has no idea what's happening because he didn't. I'm sure he didn't watch our service last week to see what we did. So here's hi, Gabe. <laughs> so we're going to set a timer for five minutes. And I'm going to ask you about your salvation experience. So I just met you on the road, your Gabe, and I want to know about this Jesus that you keep talking about. So we're going to talk about that. And then everybody's going to hear your testimony of how you got saved, if you know, (laughs) from the womb. (laughs) So this one in particular would, would go for like all the kids that grow up in church and all the preacher's kids. You know, so this is a good example of, you know, when I first came to America and I was a teenager, I was 16. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Anyway, we'll bypass all that. And I remember when people heard my dad was a preacher, they're like, oh, you're a preacher's kid. And I said, well, what does that mean? And then they went into all this stuff about preacher's kids. And I went, really? I had never heard that until I came to America. (laughs) I was like having a good time in Guyana when I was a preacher's kid, but not over here. Oh, so anyway, I think it does not have to be like people say. Amen. So I think Gabe, you're a good example of that. So why not utilize you while you're here? So we'll set a timer for five minutes. Are right, there? I talked before the five minutes, so I get my time in. <laughs> so Gabe, tell us about what you remember your first sal- like your salvation experience. Do you remember? Uh, I kind of. I kind of remember uh, I was probably about five or six years old. Um, you know, I was born here in the church, so I came to to, to church my whole life. But I was uh, outside there. We were here on like a weekday, and I was outside there riding my bike. And then I like realized, I was like, oh, I've never actually prayed the prayer of salvation for myself. But I, you know, I've been taught it my my whole life so as i was on my bike i just prayed to ask the lord into my heart and that's that's my whole salvation story i did not know that (laughs) wow that's great so that means that you did it on your own your parents didn't make you that is correct that is a correct statement so for the parents in christian homes don't be all fussy your child has to make the decision themselves is that what the advice you'd give (laughs) yeah um you know I got saved at a young age, um, but I never really started to develop my own relationship until I was about a freshman in high school is when I really started to uh, to search the scriptures for myself 
and not just rely on my parents' faith, but rely on my own faith, you know? Um, Because it's really easy as a pastor's kid to just hear what you've been taught and take it and not actually look into it for yourself and come to your own uh, conclusion. And so when I was a freshman, I started to really, like, read the word and meditate in it and study it. And then I realized that all the stuff I've been taught my whole life, I actually do believe. Um, but you, you know, it takes a step of faith on your own to actually start to do it yourself and not just rely on what your parents or your, your church has taught you your whole life. Okay. So you just met me on the street and I'm a preacher's kid and I am rebelling. I grew up in a Christian home. I don't even have to be a preacher's kid. I'm just like tired of all this church stuff. I had to go to church all the time. I feel like I missed out on life and la, da, da, da. So you have to tell me why I should not do that. Okay, well, if you were on the street and I just came into contact with you. um, On event. On event. um, I would say that uh, you need to search for yourself and experience and, and, and ask the Lord to touch you. Because it's not really what you feel or like you can't force yourself to love the Lord. You have to search the true love that he has for you, not the love that's been forced onto you your whole life. Because I feel like a, 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 a lot of kids who grow up in church, they are doing it out of a obligation, not out of a intent to honor the Lord for what he has for them, you know? And so, you know, if you don't want to go to church, we don't want to make you go. But I want you to go because the love that he has for you is so immense. And if you take the, the, the wall and the block that you've put up and let it down for a second, he'll come in and he'll touch you in a way that you've never experienced before. Well, look at that. Just like that. So if you grew up in a Christian home and you had all these things, I, do, I feel like, but you could tell me, um, one of the things that uh, kids who grew up in Christian home and, and preacher's kids feel like they missed out on choosing, um, they missed out on living a sinful life and then getting saved with the big event. I don't know. Is that is that what you hear or is that what you thought or what? Or are you thankful that you were protected? Uh, there was for sure a period in my life where I felt like I missed out on stuff. Um, but then seeing retrospect, like when you re- remove yourself from the emotion, like all the emotions that you're feeling on a certain situation and remove yourself from that and look at it from a whole, I'm super thankful now that I was protected from all those things. That I, 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 I didn't have to go through the heartbreak. I didn't have to go through the struggle. I didn't have to go through the the pain that all those things would have would have caused me. Um, in the moment when I was young, I was, like, longing to go out and do these things. But now that I've gotten older and uh, all of 19 years old, <laughs> lots of experience. Um, but now that I've gotten older, um, I'm super thankful that I grew up in the home I did and the church I did because I have a lot of friends who who chased the world instead of chasing after Jesus, and um, a lot of their lives aren't really in the greatest spot right now. But um, you know, I'm I'm healthy, I'm flourishing, and I'm loved, and that's because I decided to stay with the course and actually embrace what has been given to me, not push back what I've gotten. So that's good. Now you can give us an update about your life. 
<laughs> okay. Well, I am Gabe, if you don't know me. I'm 19. Uh, I am a student at Rama in Oklahoma. Uh, I've been there for about a year and a half now, and uh, I'm going to finish up my second year in about five and a half months, and I'll graduate then from Rama. Uh, I work for Rama. I all of the videos and stuff you see, the, uh, the promos, the recaps and stuff, I make those for, for Rayma. I'm, I'm on the worship team. Uh, I play any, anywhere from one to four times a week. It kind of all depends. Um, and, yeah, it's just been, you know, it's been really good. God's been good. And, you know, I'm just I, – I'm thankful for what I've learned here at home. I'm thankful for the support I have from home. And I'm thankful that there's always a place for me to come back to no matter where I am, and uh, it'll always be there for me. And, yeah, I'm just I'm thankful for you guys. We're thankful for you too, Gabe. <laughs> so uh, we have two more students that came home. So, and they're, they're training in ministry, so impromptu should be no issue for them. And they're part of this church, so they already know how things go. So... <laughs> Sean, do you want to come up? And then Kelsey can come up after Sean. Kelsey is my niece, by the way. I was calling her Kelly this morning and said hello to my cousin. So <laughs> it's obvious I didn't have enough water to drink before I said all those things. I'm good now, though. But uh, so Sean, <laughs> by the way, Sean is Pastor Nadine and Nelson's. This is their son. So just to link it for you. Yep. So I'm glad to be back. Like Gabe said, we're students out at Rama. Me and Gabe are actually roommates. We've grown up here in church. I've known him basically my entire life, been here in this church, know most of you, grew up with most of you, a lot of you seen me growing up, and now we're out in Oklahoma. I've just been, been loved on by the Lord and by everybody here, whether it was when I was here or when I moved out there. Um, we're going to Raymond Bible Church. I serve there as much as I can. I usher, I help out, I do anything I can to get myself in the ministry ahead of time learn at a nice, safe place like that, so that way when I'm sent out, I can learn, go, and grow. Right now, yeah, like Gabe said, we're in our second year. We're about to graduate in about six months. Right now, one thing that I'm really learning and enjoying that I'm learning is about Psalms. There's hundreds of chapters. Everybody's like, oh, that's that big Old Testament book. But it's actually really broken up into six different sections, and there's a lot of meaning behind it based on the original languages it was written in, and that's just really a joy to learn. And it's great to be back to see everybody and the honor that's here. Yeah, that's about it. Well, yeah, my name's Kelsey, and I, <laughs> I've i been at Rama since July, so I've been there for a few months now. And, yeah, new student. And it's been really interesting that I'm learning a lot of things that I feel like I knew, but I didn't really know, like, in my spirit or truly believe, or, like, I believed it, but it's been affirmed. Because when I, especially when I was younger, I'd read the Old Testament, and I'd be like, what is this? And now I'm taking these classes and I'm seeing that it all points to Jesus and why we have all, why they had all the rituals and all the meetings. And it shows, like, the true purpose behind God's big plan. And I've really learned to see God as a father and how he actually, like, loves and cares for us and how I can always talk to him. And it's been really amazing to see how many friends I've been able to meet and how many close connections and 
we all feel God's love through each other. There's no, like, judgment. We all care for each other, and we're there whenever someone stumbles, that you have someone there to help pick you back up. So it's just been really nice, especially, like, in my job. And um, I work as a nanny, so I get to see all these little kids growing, and I get to see a lot of kids growing in the Word and how some um, parents are raising their children. And it's just really amazing to see the difference between children that are raised in a Christian home versus a non-Christian home because you could see it in their behavior, how they handle situations, and how they show love to others and their siblings. So it's just really incredible to see the differences and how God works in people's lives. Praise the Lord. That was awesome. Yes. <laughs> Fruit talk. <clears throat> so before we dismiss uh, the children today for our kids' life, I just wanted to share with you a little bit more about the wise men. You know, they came with the intent to worship. So they traveled from somewhere in Iraq to Israel. And uh, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, it said, After hearing the king, they went their way, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east. Now, they allowed the light to guide them. You know, the Bible says for us to walk in the light. Are you letting the light lead you, or are you letting darkness lead you? Anyway, they saw the star... Uh, and they went, it went on before them continually leading the way until it came and stood over the place where the young child was. Everybody say the young child. He was not a baby anymore. He was a young child. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You know, joy, you can exceed limits. Amen. And, and when you have the intent to worship God, it's always going to produce joy, exceeding joy. All right. And after entering the house, say the house. Oh, it wasn't at the barn. It wasn't at the stable. It was at a house. All right. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Now, they traveled thousands of miles just to worship. These were wise men. These were probably in the, in the same genre as Daniel was. And they, they didn't study astrology. They studied astronomy. They studied the stars. And they, they could tell the times and the seasons. All right? And uh, so they fell down and worshiped him. Then, after opening their treasure chests, everybody say treasure chests. This, this wasn't little bags of gifts. This was chests for a king. All right? They presented him gifts fit for a king. All right? And uh, they were gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and Melissa uh, shared us about those. So their giving was part of their worship. Amen? And they weren't sorry that they traveled that, that distance to worship God and to give gifts. They made an investment in the kingdom of God. And that's what we get to do 
Every time we come together, we get to make an investment in the kingdom of God. Everybody say an investment. You know why I call it an investment? Because investments have a return. So you can give any time during the service here. We have our seed container there. And as you come in, if you're watching online, you can give uh, through our website or you can mail it in however you want to do it. And uh, God is good. Amen. He is faithful. And when you participate in his plan, you'll experience the faithfulness of God. And uh, it's giving is, is just a free, wonderful thing that we, we get to do. It's a privilege. So, Father, I give you thanks and praise that you bless each and every giver. And, Lord, you multiply their gifts, their seed sown, and you cause your all grace uh, t- for them to come upon them to be self-sufficient in all things that they can abound every good work. And we bless them in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Kids, we got some awesome, uh, handsome, and good-looking kids here in this place. We just want to dismiss you to your class. Thank you, kids, for being here and, and experience the joy. Have a good class. Thank you, teachers. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. You all ready for the word this morning? I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. We're going to start there. We're continuing with the Christmas story. Today we're going to focus on Joseph and Mary. And we're going to learn some things about Joseph. And uh, everything we can learn about this story will also help us in life. And uh, this is a very powerful verse. The prophet Isaiah, he prophesied long before Jesus appeared. He saw into the future. And I want you to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. It says, for unto us, say to us. God God did this for us. Everything about Jesus was done for us. Hallelujah. He said, unto us, a child is born. And uh, child is capitalized because this child was a special child. Unto us, a son is given. Glory to God. God gave his only begotten son. And he is for whosoever. Whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. And uh, so unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. He's going to rule and reign. Hallelujah. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He is the best counselor you will ever have. And he's got a book full of counselors. Glory to God. And the greatest counselor of all is the Holy Spirit. But he's a wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. This child is the mighty God. This child is the God-man, the perfect representative. He is the everlasting father. And he is the prince of peace. This is who this child is. And this time of year is to celebrate the birth of Jesus. It is to celebrate what God has given the world. Everybody say celebrate. You know, I know that the world has taken over Christmas in a lot of ways. They make it, uh, they secularize it. They say it's this or that. But let me tell you something. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen. And uh, so we designated this time and... uh, I want you to go back to uh, chapter 7 in the book of Isaiah. 
chapter 7, and I want you to look at verse 14. Hallelujah. You know, everything that God did, he said he was going to do before he did it. That gives us a clue that if we want to do something, we got to say it. If we want to have it, we we got to say it. If you want to become it, you got to say it. Say, I got to use my mouth. Say, in my mouth, there are miracles. Hallelujah. There's a miracle. There's miracles in your mouth. Glory to God. All right. Isaiah seven fourteen, The Bible says this. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. All right. So Isaiah is prophesying this, so the Bible's telling us God needed a virgin, all right? He needed someone who hadn't had marital relations, right? And he needed a virgin, not just any virgin, but they had to be of the right lineage. They had to be of a righteous line of people. God uses people. And he brought Jesus through a righteous line that was preserved since the beginning of time. God had a righteous line. And guess what? Everyone who believes in Jesus is part of that righteous line. Okay? So God needed a virgin, and he needed a virgin of the right lineage, living at the right time. You know, there's timing in God's plan. God, he doesn't have a watch. He's eternal, but he has time for us. Right? He instituted time so that we could uh, kind of comprehend God. Right? And so she had to be at the right, living at the right time, and she had to be willing to carry the incorruptible seed in her womb. She had to be willing to do what God said. And she had to receive what God said by faith. All right? And she gave birth to a son. All right? Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 1. And uh, let's go to verse 26, and let's uh, carry on with this story. Last week we talked about Zechariah and uh, some things that happened uh, with him. And this time we're going to talk about Joseph and Mary, all right? And uh, this Wednesday, who knows, we'll talk about the shepherds or some part of the story, but it's going to be good, amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. And uh, our candlelight services are always great and wonderful, and we just... It's a great time to bring someone and uh, invite someone, and we'll just have a great time. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, we know that Gabriel stood in the presence of God. He was God's divine messenger. And wherever God sent him, he was to deliver a message that God wanted uh, the person to hear. Okay? So um, he was sent to a city uh, of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. But say the virgin. Our God found his woman. Right? This was the virgin that was prophesied about. This was the, the, the woman who, who fit the bill. She was living at the right time. She was a virgin. She was of the righteous line. Hallelujah. God picked her. Amen. 
And just as God picked Mary, he picked you. Now, just because God picked Mary, she, she was a sinner saved by grace, just like we were. She's no longer a sinner, but she had to be saved by grace just like we were, right? Her, her calling was just to carry the word and give birth to him. Amen? And uh, this is what <clears throat> she did. Now, it's important to know that God needed a virgin. He needed someone that did not have the seed of man because God needed someone to carry the seed of God. Okay? It's important. Jesus became flesh. He is God and he became flesh and he is man. He is 100% God. He is 100% man. He is the most perfect representative. The Bible says that he is the one, me- there is one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. Okay? But in order to redeem mankind, God had to become a man because in the beginning he gave man dominion on the earth. So God had to be a man. God follows his own word. God will not violate his own word. Okay, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified, because it gives us uh, some further insight. Okay, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. See, Mary being a virgin was extremely important to God's plan, because Jesus was God's seed. He wasn't the seed of man, he was the seed of God. And Genesis 3.15, it prophesied that... After the fall, it said the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. Everybody say the seed of the woman. The Bible didn't prophesy the seed of man. Okay? God needed a woman, but the seed came from God. All right? Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, but he emptied himself. Without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of man. He was just like mankind. He had flesh. He had blood. He had a beating heart. He could breathe. Amen. Jesus messed his diapers when he was a baby. Jesus cried when he was hungry. Come on. He was man. He was born just like anybody else was born on the earth. Okay. And uh, he was made in the likeness of men. He became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. Everybody say, without sin. Without sin. See, that's why God needed a virgin, so that he, the, the, the seed was not polluted with sin. Jesus was born with a sinless seed. Hallelujah. Verse 8, after he was found... In terms of his outward appearance as a man, for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself 
Still further, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Everybody say becoming obedient. Jesus had to learn obedience just like he wants us to learn obedience. Amen? He did. All right, let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, I'm going to still read this from the Amplified. Verse 14. Okay? This is about Jesus, this is about God becoming man. It's, part of the, it's all part of the Christmas story. John 1.14, the word, or Christ, became flesh and lived among us, and we actually saw his glory. The glory as belongs to the, only, to the one and only begotten Son of the Father, the Son who is really unique, the only one of his kind, who is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. Say the word became flesh. Before Jesus was Jesus, he is the word. When God spoke the word to create the world, he was speaking Jesus. Now, if the word can take on flesh, then flesh can take on the word. Did you know that you can become what the word says? Did you know that the Bible says you can put on Christ? Hallelujah. You can become the word. You can become what God said. You can have what God said. You can do what God said. Okay? Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. It says this, verse 3. Let's see, is that correct? Let me check this. Hallelujah. Yes. Okay. Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do, that is, overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, man's nature without the Holy Spirit, God did, he sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin, and he can condemn sin in the flesh. This is how, how awesome God is. He destroyed flesh from the inside, I mean, he destroyed sin from the inside out. When Jesus was born, he was born in a place where animals eat and sleep. He was literally lying in a manger or a feeding trough. No one thought much of his birth other than the shepherds and the angels and Mary and Joseph who had the inside scoop of who he really was. But to to the onlooking Person, oh, that's just another baby being born. So Satan didn't really pay much attention to him until he realized who he was, and then he couldn't do anything about it. But this is how this is how God does. He outsmarted Satan so bad. Satan didn't have a clue what was happening. He was outwitted, and there was a perfect man who paid the ultimate price that God required for the price of sin, and he ended up saving us from sin. But he had to do it as a man. All right? Um, Go to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. 
We'll get back to the story here, but this is important. Hebrews 2.17, it says, Therefore it was essential that he had to be made like his brothers, mankind, in every respect. Say, in every respect. He was as human as human can be. He was just as human as you and I are. Okay? So that he might by experience become a merciful and faithful high priest in things related to God to make atonement for the people's sins. All right? Go to chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human. Um, in every respect as we are, yet without sin. If you've ever felt like no one understands you, that's incorrect because Jesus does. He's been where you are. He experienced what you're experiencing. He knows what you're going through. And he can relate and he can get you out of it. If there's anybody who can get you out of your funk that you're in, it's Jesus. Amen? He walked in your shoes, literally. He put on your, our flesh and blood, literally. He walked this earth as a human being, literally. Because that's what God needed him to do. Amen? And then go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4.4. 4. Hallelujah. Well, this is an amazing Christmas story. I'm extracting, I'm, I'm working a gold mine today and I'm extracting some riches out of God's word. Galatians 4.4, 4, but when in God's plan the proper time had fully come. Everybody say the proper time. This was the point in history where everything was right, everything was perfect, everything was as God needed it to be. How many know that there's timing in God's plan? And we don't want to get ahead of God. We want to stay behind God. We want to be following him. We don't want him to follow us. We're not the great shepherd. He is. We're the sheep. Okay? When the, when the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the regulation of the law. He, was, he looked just like every other person, he, and he, he was born under the regulation of the law because the law had been instituted, right? So that, oh my goodness, this is the good, this is the shouting part right here. He might redeem and liberate those who were under the law. Hallelujah. That we who believe, how many believe? Glory to God. Might be adopted as sons, as God's children with all the rights and full grown, of full grown members of God's family. Woo! At the perfect time, God became the man so that he could redeem mankind and we could be sons of God. Son is a position in God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My goodness. All right, go to 1 John 1.1. 1 John 1.1. And it says this. I am writing about what existed from the beginning. Jesus has always existed. It's just he showed up on earth in different forms. You know, there were times when people in the Old Testament encountered what the Bible calls the angel of the Lord. 
Now, sometimes that was just an, an angel. But at other times, it was actually Jesus before he was Jesus. He appeared as the angel of the Lord. How can you tell the difference? If the angel of the Lord received worship, that was Jesus. You have to look at the context of which it was recorded. Okay? So that which existed from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. They got to see Jesus, they got to hear Jesus, and they got to touch Jesus. Do you remember Simeon in the temple? He had a word from God that said, you're not going to die until you see the Lord's salvation. And Mary and Joseph on the eighth day, they took baby Jesus. They were going to circumcise him as, as the law said to do. And there was Simeon. He knew that that was the Lord's salvation. He held him in his arms. He lifted him up and he blessed Mary. Amen. He got to touch the Savior. Glory to God. John is testifying. We heard him. We saw him. And we got to touch him. Why? Because he's human. We touched them with our hands concerning the word of life. And just like they, guess what? Touch your Bible. If it's on your device, touch your device. You're touching Jesus. Because Jesus is everything in this book. And everything in this book is Jesus. Amen? He is the word. Right? Okay? The one who existed even before the beginning of the world, Christ, verse 2, the life uh, and respect of his, of his being was manifested, and we have seen and testify and declare to you the life, the eternal life, who was already existing with the Father and was actually made visible to us, his followers. So God became man at Christmas. He was born of the virgin, just like the prophet said. Say, just like the word said. You're going to find that everything the word said is so. So you might as well just believe what the word says. Don't reason about it. Don't think about it. If you see it in the word, just believe it. Just accept it. Just welcome it. You know, everybody in the Christmas story, they heard the word and they had the opportunity to believe it or reject it. We, we learned last week that Zechariah, he didn't believe the word that was told him. And because he didn't believe, his mouth was shut for nine months. Zechariah was a priest. I'm a priest. If I have my mouth shut for nine months, it wouldn't be good. All I could do was wave and nod. No. Listen, it's much better to believe the word. The benefits are far greater. And you don't want the consequences of not believing the word. All right? So in, in Luke one we'll go back to Luke 1. The Bible said that Mary was espoused. King James says espoused. Other translation says betrothed. All right? What does it mean to be betrothed? That was a year period. They would enter into a contract of marriage between a man and a woman. If I say a man and a woman, I don't care what the world says. Marriage is between a man and a woman, period. No discussion, end of story, that's it. So 
the parents or one of, and an agent that would represent the families would enter into negotiations and with the consent of the people. Everybody say the consent. All right? So, for instance, you know, when Abraham sent his servant Eliezer to find a wife for Isaac, uh, he had to have Rebecca's consent. Right? But she was pretty persuaded when she saw 10 camels. That's like 10 semi-trucks showing up. Hey, do you want to marry my son? Well, yeah. That's an easy yes, amen. I mean, the camels were the semi-trucks of the desert. Anyway, so this betrothal, this was before people were married. They entered into this agreement. It was a binding agreement for about a year. And during this agreement, they agreed that they would not have uh, sex. Oh, we said sex in church. Oh, my goodness. Well, who invented it anyway? God did. Just deal with it. All right? So this was the agreement. And if you broke the, the betrothal, it was like getting, the only way you could get out was get a divorce. It was that binding of, a, of an agreement that they entered. She was espoused or she was betrothed to Joseph. Okay? So during this time, they had to be faithful to one another. This was a good time to plan for their home, for their future, and all that stuff. Um, hallelujah. Glory to God. So let's go back to Luke 1 now. And let's see what happens during this time of the betrothal or the espousing time. Okay? So... Um, Verse uh, 28, okay? So Mary is wherever she is, and the angel came in under her and said, this is the angel Gabriel, who was dispatched from the presence of God to deliver a message to Mary, all right? He came in under her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Okay? Or what greeting this is. And the angel said to her, fear not. You know, we, we, with Zechariah, if an angel shows up out of, out of nowhere, you know, it would freak you out. Oh, I want to see an angel. No, you don't necessarily do. Because every time an angel showed up, they had to deal with the fear. Right? So the angel said, fear not. Okay? You got to get rid of the fear so that you can receive the message. We said that last week. And fear is always, um, you always make fear exit with your voice. You got to speak to it. Okay? So the angel said, uh, don't fear, for you have found favor with God. Okay? Mary was righteous. She lived a righteous life. She was blameless. She walked in, in the knowledge of God that she had. Okay? Um, and uh, she said, and behold, you shall conceive in your womb. Now, Mary knew the only way to conceive was to be with a man. Okay, she didn't know of any other way that a woman could conceive other than being with a man. All right. How would you like an angel to show up to you and tell you you're going to conceive in your womb? 
What are you talking about? I'm not, come on, ladies. With, with that, okay. No, it kind of freaked you out a little bit, wouldn't it? Okay. And you're going to bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Jesus knew you before you were born. He knew what your name was going to be. He already knew what your purpose is going to be. He already knew what your assignment was going to be. It's already set before you were born. Now, whether you're walking in it or not, that's up to you. You can do it. Amen. God has a purpose. Say, God has a purpose for me. Okay. And then he goes on to say, verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. Isaiah prophesied he's going to be in government. I don't, I think the church should be separate from the government. No, it shouldn't. We need more church in the government. Let me tell you. Do you realize David was both a king and a priest? He was the only king who was allowed to wear the ephod. The ephod was only, was a garment that only priests could wear. But David could wear that, he could wear that, because we need priestly kings governing us. Amen? We need righteous people. Amen? Okay? And uh, the Lord God shall give him uh, the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then said Mary to the angel, how can this be? Everybody say how. Zechariah said, I don't know how this is going to be because of my age. But Mary didn't know how. She, because she, she only knew one way that a woman could conceive. Right? So if you're telling me I'm going to conceive, just pretend I'm Mary. If you're telling me that I'm going to conceive in my womb, how's this going to happen? Right? Wouldn't you want to know how? If you only know one way and the angel says, you know, okay. And you're, you're betrothed and during that time you can't, you can't be with a man. Right? Okay. Uh, so she said, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She didn't reject the message. She, she believed the message. She just didn't know how it was going to work. Right? When you get into something that you've never done before, you want to know, how does this thing work? Right? I'll never forget when I, was work- when I started working at Ephraim National Bank, it was at a time when they turned their computer systems over to a window-based system where before it was the DOS, you know, the green blinking uh, thing, and you had to type in the message, what you ever wanted to do, the, you had to type in the command, whereas Windows, you just got to click, right, point and click. I like Windows. But it, I had gotten hired, and all the ladies who worked at the bank were familiar with the old system. But now they were all complaining about the new system because they knew how the old system worked. They didn't know how the new system worked. Right. So they wanted to know, how does this thing work so that I can, you know, they were getting frustrated because they didn't know how it worked because they had to learn how it worked in order to operate the system. Amen. This is where Mary was. She had to learn something different to operate in the new system called the system of the kingdom of God. You know how the kingdom of God operates? It operates by F-A-I-T-H, faith. All right? The angel answered, do you realize you can ask God questions and he's not nervous? Mary was asking a question. She was inquiring and God is not, he doesn't mind explaining things. 
God, will, God is good. He's patient. He's kind. If you have a question about what he wants you to do, how, how you're going to do it, it's okay to ask questions. Say, it's okay to ask questions. Okay. So the angel said unto her, the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. How many are thankful for the Holy Ghost? Shall come upon you. And the power of the highest, the highest power in the universe, shall overshadow you. Okay? This is coming up from the top. This is coming from the top. And therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of you. Everybody say, shall be. There was no doubt here. That this was going to happen. Okay? Shall be called the Son of God. Fulfilling the prophetic word. Unto us a son is born. Unto us a child is given. He is the everlasting father. The Prince of Peace. Amen? Okay? Verse 36. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Woo, God can change barrenness into fruitfulness. If you're, if you're barren in an, uh, in an area of your life, you can make that fruitful. Amen? God can make it fruitful. Hallelujah. So, the angel is encouraging her with a living example, her cousin Elizabeth. Mary knew that her cousin was barren, because everybody who knew Elizabeth knew that she was barren. And probably she had a lot of critics as a result of being barren because it wasn't a good thing in that day. So, uh, verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Say that. Say, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Say it again. Say, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Say it again. Say, with God, nothing shall be impossible. I want you to believe those words. When you come across an impossible situation, you say, with God. Everybody say, with God. Listen, it's not on your own. It's with God. Nothing is impossible. Hallelujah. Okay? And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Here I am, Lord. Have your way. See, God can give you a word, but you've got to determine if you're going to believe it or not. And you, you believe it when you receive it. You accept it. You welcome it. And you do it. Right? Mary, with her voice, accepted the word. Behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Do what you want to do. I'm open. Amen? I'm receptive. I'm willing. You know, the Bible says you've got to be willing and obedient. You can't just be obedient. You've got to be willing and obedient. Then you eat the good of the land. Amen? All right? So, uh... Be it unto me according to your word. I don't know how this is going to work, but I believe what you said. I receive it. Be it unto me according to your word. Let it be for me just like you said it. You know, when God says you're healed, let it be to me according to your word. When God says, here's direction, let it be to me according to your word. When God says, here's provision, let it be to me according to your word. You see what I'm saying? 
Whatever God says, let it be. You get, you get to choose whether it's, you have it or you don't have it. It's up to you. You let it be as he said it. His word's not going to change, but in order for it to affect your life, you've got to receive it and believe it. You have a part to play. God does the heavy lifting. All we do is the believing part. Okay? And the angel departed from her. Okay? Verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with, the, with haste. Everybody say with haste. Into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. Now, when Mary said, let it be to me according to your word, she was pregnant. It happened that quick. Receiving the word can produce quick results. When she said, let it be to me, boom, she was pregnant. From the power of the highest and the Holy Ghost. Okay? Now, she goes and visits Elizabeth. Okay? Now, Mary is the carrier of the anointing. She is carrying the word of God inside of her. You know, that's the safest place to keep the word is inside of you. Keep the word in your heart. That's, that's God's vault for his word to collect. And there's no limit to the amount of word that you can have in your heart. But it's not just the amount of word that you have. It's what you do with the word that you have. Okay? I learned that the hard way. It's not just by memorization. It's by revelation. Because people can memorize stuff, but they don't have a revelation of what they memorize. They just know the facts. But when you have a revelation, it becomes alive on the inside of you and it takes over. When I got a revelation that God called me to help people find their inheritance and treasure in God's word, something took over me. And it changed my entire life. It changed the course of my life. And it brought me here. If I hadn't got that in the 90s, I probably wouldn't be here in 2022. So you need a revelation of what you have been memorizing. Hallelujah. Okay? So um, so when Mary walks in, you know, when you carry the word, you change atmospheres. When you're a carrier of the word and you walk into a place, things happen. Things that weren't there become uh, apparent. Amen? Listen to this. Okay? So... Uh, Verse 41, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary. Now, Elizabeth's six months pregnant. Okay? The babe leaped in her womb. Whoo! How many of you ever felt that baby kick? Right? I got to feel the baby kick when uh, my boys were pregnant. I mean, when Fiona was pregnant with my boys. You know, you try to keep your tongue untied, but just sometimes it gets in the knots. When Fiona was pregnant with our boys, I could feel them kick. But this baby, John, in Elizabeth's womb, leaped. I mean, he did, all he could do was flip-flops. I mean, he can't go nowhere, right? Just when Mary said hello, 
because of what she was carrying on the inside of her that was deposited by God. Hallelujah. When you got something on the inside that God has given you and you walk into a room, you can change the atmosphere. You can set the temperature. You can release things that weren't there before. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. One who carries the word is anointed. If you're carrying the word, you're anointed. Right? Be open to receive God's word. When a carrier of the anointing enters a room, the atmosphere is filled with joy. When a carrier of the anointing enters the room, the Holy Ghost begins to move. And when the Holy Ghost moves, someone speaks. Hallelujah. Okay? The babe leaped in her womb. Mary, uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she spake out with what kind of voice? A loud voice. When, you, when a carrier of the anointing enters the room, they bring love. When a carrier of the anointing enters the room, they bring excitement. When a carrier uh, of the anointing enters the room, people raise their voice. Elizabeth began to speak loudly. Something on the inside was triggered by something on the inside of Mary. You know, when you're carrying the word, you can trigger other people. And they, they can receive of the same anointing. The anointing was meant to be shared. And the primary way is through the laying on of hands. That's the primary. There are other ways, but I'm not pe- preaching on the anointing today. All right? When a carrier of the anointing enters a room, blessings break out. She spoke out with a loud voice, verse 42, and blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Now notice verse 43. And what is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth knew that inside of Mary was the Lord Jesus Christ. The mother of my Lord. Hallelujah. Sounds to me like Elizabeth made a confession of faith and got born again on credit and was going to receive the full of it when Jesus rose from the dead, just like Abraham. And then Abraham believed God and what? It was credited to him for righteousness. Everyone, Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, Joseph, they were all righteous people. Shepherds, they were righteous people. Amen? What makes you righteous? Believing God's word. Having faith in God. That makes you righteous. Amen? Nothing else. All right? So, just think about this. What are you carrying where you go? Are you carrying depression or are you carrying joy? Are you carrying prosperity or are you carrying poverty? Do you know that what's in you will come out of you? But guess what? We can change what's in us. Amen? Say, be unto me according to your word. That statement will change what's on the inside of you. If you got some, listen, we all have wrong, wrong thinking in some things. Amen? How many's ever had to change their thinking since you met Jesus? It's called renewing the mind. That's an ongoing process. You know, the Bible says renew your mind doesn't say stop. 
How long should I renew my mind until Jesus comes? Then you're going to get upgraded your body and you'll be good. <laughs> Amen? Then you won't, it won't be such a struggle to do God's will. All right? Okay? So, uh, hallelujah. Go down to... Uh, so Ma- uh, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. Okay? Now let's go to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to learn about Joseph. All right? Are you guys getting something out of this story today? There's a lot of revelation. There's a lot of nuggets here. Okay? So uh, verse 56 says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. So Mary is now three months pregnant. And she's espoused to Joseph. I don't know if she sent Joseph a letter. I don't think she sent him a letter and said, I'm pregnant. I think she wanted to do this face to face. Because Mary was righteous and just. Amen? I think Joseph getting a letter would have been uh, the wrong way to do this. Okay, so now Mary returns home, and she's three months pregnant, and she's got to tell Joseph what's going on. Because they agreed they already entered into this agreement. It was a binding agreement that no one would have relations until the marriage time. Okay? And uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. How do you explain getting pregnant of the Holy Ghost of someone you can't see? Think about that. That's not an easy thing to do, is it? Okay? Then, so she was found, so three months later now, she comes back home. She was in Judea with Elizabeth. And now she's back home, and now Joseph gets the news. All right, and uh, verse 19, then uh, Joseph, uh, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Everybody say Joseph was righteous. Yeah, he was a just man, okay, and um, he didn't. He didn't want to uh, embarrass Mary. He didn't want to hurt Mary. He, he loved Mary. All right? He wanted to do the right thing. Okay? So he is uh, struggling with this, as you can imagine. All right? Um, and uh, so he is a, he's a just man. So now... While he thought on these things, okay? So Joseph was righteous. He was conscious of his lineage and mindful of the messianic hope. He was a man who read the scriptures. Do you know that God watched Joseph growing up as a young man? God knew that he could trust him with the responsibility of being Jesus' foster father. You're not just going to let anybody... Marry the mother of your son without vetting them and watching them and proving them and testing them because God's more concerned about your character than he is about anything else. 
So he watched Joseph growing up in his family, how he handled things. He knew that God could trust him with this responsibility. Guys, God expects you to handle your responsibilities. I'm going to talk on the guys just a little bit today. Well, I'm not going to ask you if it's okay, but you're going to get it anyway. So, hallelujah. So Joseph was an upright man, okay? And uh, so while he thought on these things, everybody say he thought. Notice Joseph didn't act out of anger or rage. He would have had every right to embarrass Mary publicly, to put her away, to scorn her, and to even have her stoned. That's the kind of violation that this was. But get, say he thought. He took some time to consider. You know, the Bible says, uh, be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. He didn't let his anger take over. He thoughtfully considered his options. Okay? Joseph was a... Cons- so while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Man, angels, they can show up in dreams. They can show up in the temple. They can show up wherever you are. Here's an angel. An angel might show up in the bookstore. An angel might show up in the sound booth. An angel can show up in your car. Amen? See, he's thinking about this, so God says, okay, I'm going to encourage him. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, that's of the righteous line. Both Mary and Joseph were of David's line, by the way. Fear not, there's that fear again, to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Oh, well, that just makes it all different, doesn't it? He didn't know. Joseph only knew one way for a woman to get pregnant. And here, the woman he's espoused to, he's engaged to, to be married to, is pregnant before their engagement, is, before they have the ceremony. Right? And uh, so, he, he, uh, he considered this, and he shall, she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say, you shall call him. For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus means Lord, Lord of salvation. Joseph, Joseph got to call him Jesus. Hallelujah. God gave him the opportunity to Joseph to call him Jesus. What happens when you call on him? You get saved. Whoever who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Did you notice that Joseph said, I don't think I want to do that? He didn't say that. He fully accepted the word of the Lord. You know, Joseph was a considerate husband. He, he thought about how his actions of receiving this news would uh, impact Mary before he made his decision. He wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about Mary. How could I do this in the best way that would benefit Mary the most, that wouldn't harm her, wouldn't hurt her, Okay. So uh, Joseph was a considerate 
husband. Um, he uh, thought about it. He was thoughtful, right? The Bible says for men to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.28, love your own wife as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. Okay? Uh, the Bible says you got to nourish and protect and cherish your wife. All right? Uh, the Bible says husbands love your wives. Do not be embittered or resentful toward them. Uh, the Bible says husbands love your wives in an understanding way. If the Bible says you can understand them, you can understand them. Stop saying you don't understand them. That's the problem. Your mouth is the problem. Change what you say. If the Bible says you can live with them in understanding, you can understand them. Why? You got the Holy Ghost. He knows everything about women. If you need, to, if you need information, ask him. He'll show you. But this is the kind of uh, husband that Joseph was. He was considering this. He was thinking about it. Then he heard God's word. Okay? All right? Uh, Verse 22. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet. You know, God always fulfills his word. Even if it was spoken a hundred years, a thousand years before, he's still going to fulfill his word. God's word has no expiration date until you believe it. Once you believe it, then it's activated. But until you believe it, it's there. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to change. It's not going to deteriorate. It's not going to lessen in power or strength. The word is there until you choose to accept it. But it's there. It's not going to lose any power. It's on the shelf. But once you accept it, you get it from the shelf and you put it in your heart. Okay? Joseph was an obedient husband, all right? He was an obedient uh, servant of God, okay? Behold, the virgin shall be with child. So he, he, he might have read the, the scroll of Isaiah. He might have read the scripture. Oh, yeah, I remember reading that, all right? His name, uh, Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with it. Verse 24, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord bid him. Say, he did it. That's what makes the difference. Not just hearing the word, but doing the word. Doing what the word said. He went and did it. He didn't question it. He didn't reason it. He didn't go call his friends. He didn't take a poll. He went and did it. He went and did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him uh, his wife and he knew her not. Until she brought forth her firstborn son, Jesus. So he's married and he can't even fulfill his marriage vows for nine months. He's a patient man. He's a believing man. He's a trusting man. Come on, guys. When you first got married, that was all on your mind. I know because I'm a guy. Don't, don't, don't. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know, that took a lot of restraint for Joseph. He, he honored God. He respected God's word. And we know that they eventually came together because Joseph, James and Jude, who wrote the books of James, they were Jesus' half-brothers. 
Jesus had four bro- at least four brothers and at least two sisters because the Bible uh, lists them as plural. So Jesus had at least six siblings that were born to Mary and Joseph. Amen? So Joseph was an obedient servant of God. He was willing to do what God said, no matter what. Joseph was a good citizen of the country. When there, was a, when there was a decree that said every person of the house of David, there was a census. And so Joseph, like a good citizen, he did the decree. He went to Bethlehem so that he could be registered in the house of David. Hallelujah. He was a good citizen. We ought to be good citizens. We could be Christians and good citizens. How do you be a good citizen? You follow the law as long as it doesn't disagree with God. And you get involved as much as you can, and you do what you're, uh, you're empowered to do. Amen? You can be a good citizen. Amen? We need some good citizens, don't we? That should have gotten a bigger amen from that. Hallelujah. And then Joseph was a protector of his family. When word got out that Herod was going to kill all the babies two years and younger... He had a word from God, go to Egypt, and he went to Egypt. Without, they, got, they got ready at night. He said, honey, we're going to go. Let's go. They went into Egypt. Hallelujah. He protected his family. And, he, and when uh, he got news that uh, Herod's son was in power, he, 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 they moved north of Jerusalem. They went into Galilee, into uh, uh, Nazareth there. And then finally, Joseph was a concerned father. Hallelujah. Both him and Mary... You know, Joseph regularly went to Jerusalem every year to worship at the Passover. He was a faithful participant of serving God. And that's why he was qualified to be the foster father of Jesus. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that he was a carpenter. He was more like a a builder. The word carpenter is the word tecton. And I heard from uh, Rick Renner, who quotes a lot of Greek. He knows Greek. And he said that it was more than just uh, a carpenter. He was like a stonemason or a builder, and he was probably had several building projects that he did, prominent building projects. He wasn't a poor man. Well, that's a revelation to some. Well, if they, if they weren't poor, why were they born in a barn? Because there weren't any hotel rooms available. You've got to think everybody was in the small town getting registered. They just got there... At, at, at the time when all the hotel rooms were taken up. Amen? How did they live in Egypt for two years, being away from home and family? I guess the, the gifts that the wise men brought, you know, they were loaded. Amen? Hallelujah. See, we, we, get, these, we get these stories of Christmas that have been watered down. And they're mixed with untruths. Right? I mean, really, how many has ever seen the nativity without the wise men there? Growing up, I've, I've always seen the wise men. They weren't there. They weren't there at the birth. They were there at the house. Amen? But that's like a watered-down thing. Guess what? You're getting it from the spout today. Amen? I just felt led to go through this story and to extract some things. But everybody... Everybody in the Christmas story, they heard the word. What happens when you hear the word? Faith comes. 
But then you got to decide what are you going to do with the word that you hear, right? You could reject it. You could do nothing with it. But then that word that you hear is not benefiting you. You've got to do something with it in order for it to benefit you. Amen? Like in getting saved, you can't just stand there. What are you doing? I'm waiting for God to save me. Beam me up, Scotty. You know, salvation is not like being beamed up on Star Trek. Salvation is a decision that every person has to make. And some people need information to make that decision. That's where you come in. Do you realize to grow this church, we gotta grow, we gotta work together. And we've got to share in our sphere of influence what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced, and then let the Holy Ghost do the rest. Our job is just to share the information. Our job is just to share the experience. You know, we're learning from Dr. Fiona how easy it is. You know, how, how, do, you, how do you witness to someone? Ask questions. That gives you the right to get personal. Every one of us are in contact with people. Gabriel... When he, he, he said, I sat by someone on the plane and talked to him the whole flight. You know, I remember when I was a student at Rama, and I was coming home. It was a holiday, Christmas, whatever. And I sat next to this young man. And usually I, I'm reading the Bible when I'm on a flight, if I'm not super tired. And uh, I struck up a conversation with him and I prayed with him. And that young man sent me a Christmas card. To testify how that conversation changed his life. One conversation on an airplane changed someone's life. I don't know where they are today, but I, I, I had fruit of it. So it was a total stranger. I just struck up a conversation. It was the easiest thing in the world. Amen? Now, God's witnesses in the Christmas story were angels. They just had to deliver the message. You know, the angels couldn't make Mary believe. The angel couldn't make Zechariah believe. The angel said, look, I stand in the presence of God. I'm authentic here. Right? He said, you ought to, you ought to know that I'm, I'm coming from heaven. You ought to know that this is God talking to you. We ought to know when God's talking to us. Amen? We can't be so dull and senseless that we, we don't know when God is speaking. I don't care if he uses a donkey. Balaam knew that that was God, even though the donkey was talking. There was no one else to talk. God had to use a donkey. And he will if he needs to. But you're more intelligent. You don't need a donkey. You got the Holy Ghost. Amen? Every one of these people received the word by faith. They had to make a choice about what they were told. Believe it or not. And they did. The only one who didn't was Zechariah. And then after nine months, he believed. Amen? Nine months of being silent, it'll change your perspective. Woo! Yeah, his name is John. Yeah, my voice is loose. Praise The first thing he did, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Where are you with Jesus today? Have you heard God talking to you? You know what he's saying to you? What are you going to do with what he's saying to you? Are you just going to let it bypass you? Are you going to step into it, embrace it with all your heart, and receive God's message? Amen? If there's anybody here today that you don't know your purpose, 
You don't know your assignment. You don't know what God has for you, or you don't know Jesus. Today's a good day to get to know him. Today's a good day to find out that information. Amen? Do you realize that every time a purpose was revealed, it was very clear? You're going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus. He's going to be great. He's going to be all. There's a lot of details that God spoke. 